And good morning and welcome to the All Things SR podcast with our favorite Paul lover, Miss Betty from the Game Series fan podcast. <laughs> the thing has come at last. I'm free. <laughs> the celebration has begun. The celebration, yeah, the celebration has begun. The madness. Absolutely. <laughs> the madness. Yes. College basketball has March Madness, and we have uh, Valentine's Madness. Weekend Madness. Um, <laughs> Team Paul is in the house today. Yes. Mm-hmm. As yes. Paul appears for the first time in Gabriel's Promise. And we yes. are so happy that Betty could join us this morning. And yes. we're giving a lot of love to Perling. We already can hear her yeah babies going on. As, yeah. as, as mm-hmm. Betty's going to be waxing poetic about why she loves Paul so dearly. <laughs> um, as Lori says in the chat room, the all about Paul chapter. Yeah. <laughs> all and Paul, I love that, all the time. <laughs> I, you know, it's funny. I was telling my brother last night, I'm like, tomorrow is such a great chapter. I'm going to get to discuss it. And he goes like, yeah, Paul, Paul, Paul. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's Paul, Paul, Paul. <laughs> Brother is not as enthusiastic about Paul, but it's okay. I can hey, that's you, know. <laughs> you make up. You have the enthusiasm for everybody on the planet when it comes Thank to you. Paul <laughs> and that character. <laughs> Sr. did did it ju- did Paul justice in the crafting of his character. That is for sure. That yes. he did. <laughs> that he did. You know, I love it so much. Oh, funniness. Funny, fun, fun, fun. So that was, I started out with a song that many of you may not remember, um, being the elder in the group. I think I did. (laughs) (laughs) That makes you sound, hey, Annette Funicello in her late 50s, early 60s years with Tall Paul. (laughs) (laughs) I do have that song and I can this. I'm actually looking up the tall Paul lyrics here. Mm-hmm. Well, good. All you have to know <laughs> and, is I and... love Paul. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know Betty. We know Betty loves Paul. Yeah. I'm laughing because I googled, um, and instead of hitting tall Paul, I hit all Paul, and there's an all Paul podcast, and I just started laughing because <laughs> we're having an all Paul podcast now. Um, that one's devoted to <laughs> Sir Paul McCartney. Oh, um, of course. <laughs> Of course. Well, I, you know, I, that is to, I, I go hilarious. to Spotify and I put the word Paul in and everything comes up. Paul Simon, uh, uh-huh. Paul McCartney, uh, <laughs> <laughs> all the different Pauls that are out there. So it's fun, fun, fun. In it is fun, fun, fun. It's so... so- <laughs> it, it, I'm just, just laughing at the lyrics. They're making me laugh. <laughs> tall Paul is my love Tall Paul is my dream He's the captain of the high school football team He's my mountain, he's my tree We go steady, Paul and me Tall Paul with a great big smile Tall Paul with a great big eyes Tall Paul with a great big kiss He's my tall Paul Tall Paul, tall Paul He's my all <laughs> Oh, that's too good I'm putting those in the chat box And that way everybody goes to look mm-hmm. <laughs> Right the only difference between Paul and that's all Paul is that Paul plays rugby. But it's okay. I know. Everything and, else fits. You know? Mm-hmm. It's like Everything football. Everything else they, they, fits. The, the rugby ball is very much like a football. 
Yes. You know, there's no helmets and men are in a huddle, but there's no helmets. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, you know, my my little blessedness number four and I sometimes watch rugby games. Uh-huh. And I think it's fun to bet with him. Like, okay, I'm going to go for this team. You're going to go for that team. Whoever wins gets a donut. He always wins. I don't know how he does it. <laughs> but his teams always win. And I end up buying him lots of donuts. I'm like, this is not fair. <laughs> I should not lose to a two-year-old. But okay. <laughs> that is so funny. Yeah. I but, you love know, it. Kid, kids in their bets. Yes. You're <laughs> Oh my God, you know, I, I would with Patrick I, when he was growing up. When we do that, I'd, I'd purposely go whatever direction that was not the right one, so that he could win. But um, which probably wasn't the right thing to do either. <laughs> but hey, it's my kid, and I was allowed to do that. So <laughs> I think and, it's great. Hey, you know, yeah, I, I mean, there's some. Oh, oh God, this is so cute, my. Little cat pumpkin is outside, and she just showed her head up in the window of the doorway. Aww. Which is very funny. It's very funny. It's cute. So I'm going to walk us over there while I let her in because it is cold out. Um, yeah. Yeah, so they, the, the uh, whether it be football or baseball, we always had a Super Bowl party in the house for him. Mm-hmm. Which my my team did not win, but this year I'm not a not necessarily a Brady fan. <laughs> well, the I was happy about the victory because the coach of the Buccaneers is from South Central Pennsylvania, and he actually went to the schools where my husband went um, from York, Pennsylvania. So, Aww. little shout out to Coach Aaron's. Oh, that's um, nice. But uh, that that was the that was the silver lining. That was that was the exciting thing for him. And I love the fact that his ninety-something-year-old mom was up in the stands rooting um, her son on in his coaching endeavor. I just thought that was sweet. So, Aww, that's nice. That yeah. is nice. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was kind of cool. All the way from Hanover. Hanover. That's PA. where she's at now. That's in York, Home. Pennsylvania, South Central PA. Home of hers, <laughs> potato chips. Yep. Yep. And all kinds of pretzels, all the Dutch, all the Dutch stuff. Oh, yeah. So, well, there's been quite excitement in SR land uh, this this weekend. There has been. The special fundraiser going on right now. Ashley, you were a maven on that that bookmark uh, bidding. Ashley. Making it rain. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, although it keeps getting pushed up higher. And I'm noting on, and for those of you who are not um, with us live, you can go and I'll put the link in um, the Stargazer Squad, um, which Facebook. is on Facebook. I put the link in. Um, it is a group run by uh, Morgan and Jennifer Locklear, the authors. Um, have pulled together with a lot of other authors to do a fundraiser, a very special fundraiser for Jell, who is an artist, a graphic artist, and many of you have seen her work in many, many books and uh, posts on social media. 
She does a lot of work with uh, the romance writing community, and her family has had uh, really some tragic, um, a lot of tragedy around COVID this time, and there is a fundraiser to help cover their medical expenses, which I think are all mm. still like $16,000, I believe, mm-hmm. um, and, and growing. Mm-hmm. And growing, and I think Jell, if I recall, is in the, based in the Philippines. She is. And um, just I personally um, knew Jell from Bookish Temptations, uh, which was a blog that she and several others did um, when I first came and started looking into romance. Um, I found I, I through SR, obviously. I looked mm-hmm. um, and I looked other books to read. And their blog came up. And so really, I found a lot of authors through Jell and her colleagues at Bookish Temptations. So um, I know MJ also established a GoFundMe page that I will try and pull the link for and put in there as well. But you can get to that through the Stargazer Squad. Um, And Ashley noted, and Ashley, you were valiant, but I did see this morning someone else just came in and did a whopping... I think this the the item that is the hot item, um, and apparently right now is the highest bid, which mm-hmm. um, I, it's up there with El James because um, the great um, Erica had donated a really incredible Fifty Shades package. Oh yeah, um, she did. <laughs> and so you this item right now is the uh, bookmark, which is signed by Julio, Melanie, Melanie and Tosca, I believe, yes. mm-hmm. is up to $1,150 as of 56 minutes ago. Wow. wow. Um, when I went to sleep, it was at 1000 I was like, yep. oh, wow, that's a lot. <laughs> that's incredible. And Ashley, nice, was, yeah. Ashley was going full force. I was so amazed. Mm-hmm. Um, MJ wrote in the comment, wow, guys, I never stood a chance. The highest bids <laughs> in the auction are for the bookmark, and that was as of 49 minutes ago. So I suspect between that and the Fifty Shades, those probably are going to be the top two items of the auction. Um, but if if you can, if you have any extra um, ability to either bid on some of these really incredible items, there's tons of packages from... Authors, different authors, a lot of different authors, and this auction is running um, yesterday at, through Saturday through today. Um, mm-hmm. So definitely check it out. Um, support uh, this really good effort. <laughs> Pumpkin just dropped her uh, food bowl. What else is there? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and I want to say hello. Um, I, I we said hi to Ashley, Lori. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Betty, Miss Epiphany is here, as well as the Petite Leon herself, Miss Kensikins. So, good morning, ladies. Good morning. Um, yeah. Oh, so, and Ashley noted the Florentine series is also going high, of course, because they all are. And you know, I mean, you you just look at any of those uh, of the the big named packages. Yeah, I think Erica's is up to over fifteen hundred dollars now, and of course, SR's bookmark, and also. I believe his books, uh, with the book plates, signed book plates, are up there as well. Mm-hmm. You know, Willie's gonna be thrilled about like, look at me, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Willie will be. Very oh, I happy. know. And and Jell had posted an hour ago, 
Um, thank you from the bottom of my heart. I'm so overwhelmed with the support. Most importantly, for keeping my family in your prayers. So, uh, please, uh, thoughts and prayers to her and to everyone who has been grappling in the, and struggling in the midst of the pandemic. Yeah. We really, really appreciate all the love and support. Um, this community of such a giving community of kindness um, and everyone's coming out in full force to support this, which is really great. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Kenzie noted, I'm grateful to have my signed books by SR and actors. I couldn't spend that even if I wanted to, but it is for a really good cause. It's really great for Jill and her family. And I yes. totally agree. Well written, Kenzie, mm -hmm. well written. So in, in um, other news from SR, we have um, the Russian readers, Gabriel's Rapture will be released in Russian in March. And they may, uh, there may be other good news on the horizon. Which mm, that's always exciting. Mm -hmm. uh, he keeps he, teasing us about that. Always. Oh. <laughs> the art of seduction it's not just uh, argyle <laughs> the slow burn and driving mm -hmm. people mad with <laughs> absolutely that's why he he, he he probably one of the reasons why his books are so good that's slow mm -hmm. burn um also passion flicks is going to have the bloopers tomorrow on the passion flick site so that should be fun and full of lots of laughs i'm sure with Gabriel screwing up lines and Melanie not being able to control her laughter. I'm sure it'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, all Books Editoria will be publishing The Man in the Black Suit in Brazil in, in Portugal later this year, or in Portuguese later this year. That's exciting. I and, love that. Yeah. I love the fact that Acacia, who is a Brazilian character, um, or at least initially portrays herself as Brazilian mm -hmm. um, and knows Portuguese will, you know, her character <laughs> will be coming alive in Portuguese. I love that. That is so good. good. Acacia is going home. <laughs> yes, she, she is. Yes, absolutely. She, I love it. <laughs> she will, she will find her way. Um, also uh, the uh, passion flicks crew, meaning Tosca and Melanie and Julio are uh, arriving in Italy as we speak at some point today. Julio's already there, obviously. Uh, and will be uh, quarantining for two weeks so that they can start filming in March the rest of Rapture, which is exciting. Nice. So excited. <clears throat> See, I think, I think that those scenes are going to be really breathtaking. Oh. Yes. And, um, like if we were going crazy with the last installment, part three, when they arrived in Florence, they were like, oh, my God, there's a drama in the restaurant, the hotel and everything. I think we're going to go even crazier now that they're going to film in location. I can't agree. So I, I, it's unbelievable. I mean, the fact that we're going to be able to see more of that beautiful city and mm -hmm. the country, you know, um, through the character's eyes. Uh, and it's such an important part of their relationship. Um, it's breathtaking. And I'm, I'm so excited, even though I know they can't film inside the Uffizi, that we're gonna be able to see 
um, you know, they were going to be depicting the scenes. Um, I can't wait to see what the set designer mm-hmm. does with that because mm-hmm. it was so magnificent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just have to say a good shout out, good morning to our New Orleans gal, Ms. Annette, <laughs> woke up for this special and auspicious she occasion, did. which which we didn't, I know she said it's sometimes hard to get up, especially as you're gearing up for your big celebration on mm-hmm. uh, Tuesday. My I, I got my uh, canola oil yesterday so that I can uh, make my beignets for, uh, or beignets for Fat Tuesday. So I'll be set. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's going to be a good time uh, here in here in South Central PA. It's all about the Foss Knots. That's the oh, yeah. Pennsylvania Dutch baked well, uh, treat their donuts um but that is what people have here um mm-hmm. on on fat tuesday uh the last day before uh the lenten season begins <laughs> and oh, I kenzie, know, kenzie i think that's a good question yeah, kenzie your I think dog that's... needs to shut up <laughs> <laughs> i i'm just laughing because every time i hear Walter barking in the background. I have Kenzie's voice in my head. I know. <laughs> saying, I know. Walter. <laughs> so Walter um, Boo Boo, shut the uh, front door. <laughs> yes. And um, uh, Kenzie, I think your question's a good one. I wonder if they'll cut Melanie's hair, use a wig, or not cut it at all. I'm wondering that too. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Walter is not a white rat. <laughs> Yes. Walter Boo Boo, be quiet, please. Come on. Come on, Boo Boo. Walter's excited about about um, Betty being here today to celebrate. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Team Paul. And he's excited about the uh, <clears throat> shooting about to begin. Yeah. Um, oh, Lori said, that, I can't yes, believe it's already that. time again. And Maybe yes. Walter wants to be an extra. And he's like, let's go. I'm ready. Yeah, he might be upset we didn't take know, him last time. Yeah. I have no idea what he's barking at. He is standing at the door. There's nobody there because I can see. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, because I've got gla- a glass front and a door. And uh, I have no clue what he's barking at. So it's got to be ghosts. Anyway. <laughs> and Anna's going to have her Oakmont Bakery King Cake. Oh, mm-hmm. That sounds great. Good morning, Hi. Anna. I'm glad you could join us. I figured you'd be stopping by, especially of chapter 15, as Paul emerges in Gabriel's Promise. It's a good day to be um, on the podcast. So I'll have to get my shout- sister. My, my <laughs> sister has a bakery near her work there where they cook fashion nuts. So I'll have to ask her to get some. Yes, a lot of the a lot of the churches sell them here. I don't know if they're doing that now in the midst of COVID, but the grocery stores do as well. I, I like getting the I like supporting the nonprofits that sell them. Though. It's always fun. And yes, Lori Boo Boo is defending his castle. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. From the spirits. Uh, uh, from whatever I, I, you know, I've got uh, one cat that's about ready to pounce on another cat. That should be interesting. <laughs> And the dog oh, baking. My. So, life in the world of Pam Langworthy. Yes, yeah. The animal and world, I... the animal kingdom here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's really going today, isn't he? He's looking at the door. I have no idea what he's looking at. <laughs> I'm watching him. It's fine. 
my God. Well, That's too you know, funny. Um, she maybe, Kenzie, maybe uh, she's leaving tomorrow. Since it'll be the 15th of February there. You know, because I'm sure uh, with her significant other, she's going to be away from him for a while because of uh, having to do for the two weeks and then uh, film and before she goes, gets back to back to Australia. So it should be interesting. It should be, definitely. Oh, I'm excited about that. I can't wait. Um, I know. I just can't wait to see um, how uh, this rapture is just my, I love all the books, but it, it's going to be beautiful and gutting and all of the good things. Um, mm -hmm. And these Italian, the Italian shoot, um, the scenes in Italy are going to be magnificent. So oh, very yeah. excited oh, for yeah. that. Yeah. It's uh It'll be fun to see Italy again. And then, and the new thing is that we're not just going to see Florence. There should be other areas that we're going to be seeing, too. So. I know. That'll be very exciting. I'm, Everybody's uh, talking about the king cake. <laughs> and the plastic baby in the king cake. Yes. I'm, um, I'm excited too. about... I can't believe it's this time, that time of year already. It's I know. super, super early. And um, it's so quickly. Yes, it really is. Well, when is Easter this year? Because the way I've been told you, you calculate the 40 days is by some full moon. Yeah. So many, so many days it's, after a full moon and then 40 days and then that's Easter. Uh, yes. April 4th. April 4th? Yes. Mm -hmm. Do you know I have never had a birthday on Easter? Really? Yeah. How is how is that possible? Every time my birthday is supposed to fall on Easter Sunday, it's usually leap year, and it goes to a different time. Oh, that is fascinating because you are you are a spring baby. You're in the you're in the mix. For those of you who don't know, Pam's birthday is April first. Putting it out there, Pam. So <laughs> Gee, we so might have to have some kind of. Uh, a party, some a, celebration. a party of some sort. You guys talk. I'm going to go try to shut my dog up. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, I thought we could actually begin talking a little bit about the chapter. Okay. Um, as we are talking about chapter 15. Um, I'm, yes, and as Kenzie says, April Fool's so fitting for Pam. Lori says we must celebrate, so... <laughs> I think um, I think we definitely will have to celebrate. We'll have to look to see. I think her birthday's midweek this year, so we'll have to see. There will be some fun and shenanigans as appropriate. So we're beginning Chapter 15. And as you know, um, last week when we talked about the chapter, uh, we had uh, the Gabriel had the news that he was accepted to this very prestigious lecture series in, in, um, that was extended to him in Edinburgh. And this was on top of the news that uh, Julia was invited by Professor Wodehouse to a workshop, a Dantean workshop, um, 
Gabriel was not invited to that particular workshop, but they did see on the list that Paul was invited. So that kind of sets the stage as they kind of shift from Boston um, over to the say, other though, part of New England um, in Vermont. Interesting, though, the reactions that they had towards each other's good news. Mm -hmm. Very supportive of Julia. But Julia was apprehensive <laughs> of the news and what would that mean with their family and stuff. So it was interesting that she didn't share that joy for, yes. for the move and stuff. So I was well, like, and okay. I also, you know, I think we're still, she's still in that. This has not been long after she had the baby. And I think she's still in her real hormonal roller coaster of that postpartum <laughs> um, experience that, uh, young mothers often have. So um, I think that's amplified uh, by her nervousness about how things are going to go and being afraid she's not going to finish her program, which was her greatest fear when she found out she was pregnant mm -hmm. um, much sooner than uh, her and Gabriel had intended. So um, yeah, I, I know. I, it was interesting, her reaction. Um, but the fact that they both had these really amazing monumental things happening at the same time is is pretty exciting. Yes. And, um, and so I, Ellie, I think that was cool. Miss Ellie has joined us. Good morning, Ellie. Yes. Morning, Ellie. Good morning, Ellie. 629 on the west coast of U.S. <laughs> God love you. I'm so glad you came um, to join us on this fun journey today. Betty's in the house, so you know it's going to be a party. <laughs> um, <laughs> it always is with you. It's a, ball party. it's a Paul party. It's a Paul party. Yes, yes. We started with Tall Paul. Um, Ellie, Ellie, being the music maven she is, she might know that that Annette Funicello song. If not, scroll up in the chat room because I I put the lyrics in and a link to the um, a link to them. So, um, so chapter fifteen starts and we are. Down, um, down in Vermont with yes. an assistant professor, the man, the myth, the legend himself, Paul yeah. Norris. <laughs> Doesn't it? It has a nice ring. Assistant professor. Assistant oh, professor, yes. Paul V. Norris. Yes. yes, yes, it does. He doesn't have to write it down in a little paper and stick it to the, <laughs> the door. <laughs> now, has, has he defended his uh, PhD yet? Good morning, Monica. Good afternoon. Uh, Good afternoon, Mom. Well, I believe he did. Yes, because he wouldn't be an assistant professor, I don't think, if he hadn't defended. You know um, what? That would have been yeah. an excellent question for us to ask SR. I know. <laughs> Paul's dissertation is not presented in the book in Re Redemption. <laughs> I checked. Um, we just find out he presented it and he graduated and that was it. And I was like, damn it. We missed your graduation. Why, boss? Why? You know, that actually, that's a good follow-up question, though. Mm -hmm. Tell us the back. Did you ask SR about that, Betty? Backstory of his dissertation? No. <laughs> because I was for, for me to do the redemption when we pick up on that, I know mm -hmm. I'm going to set the boss mad by then. <laughs> it's going to go like, stop. Stop. <laughs> Take a break. Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't think he gets mad. I think he gets amused by all of us, frankly. He does. <laughs> He thinks um, we're all wackadoodles or something. And, and Kenzie says, I don't know why I think of cows when I think of fall. 
Well, he is a he is from the dairy farm after all. So, so he's in his office at St. Michael's College and uh, working hard in his first few weeks of being on the job. And I actually, um, I could just imagine this picture. I think, again, SR paints uh, these scenes so well for us. So he's been hitting the new faculty orientations, prepping lessons, trying to figure the ins and outs of the school. Yes. And, you know, trying to avoid any landmines that might be going on in academia. You know, learning your political landscape at a new job is always super important. Mm -hmm. And um, so, you know, as he's he's kind of getting settled in and he's thinking to himself, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. So it's kind of going through this whole process. And um, that, as many of you probably know, is a quote from Charles Dickens' Tale of Two Cities, one of my favorites. I remember mm-hmm. reading that and reading that and reading that. Um, even though it was an assignment in, in school when I was growing up, I just I really thought that was the, <laughs> an amazing story. Yeah. So, you know, Paul, yeah, I mean, he's line. kind of sitting there. I think he's overwhelmed. He's not overwhelmed, per se, but he's just trying to get his bearings on everything, which I think yeah. is interesting because he's going through this getting his adjustment to his new life while Julie and Gabriel are getting into their new life with their baby, their baby girls. So I think it's interesting. They're both going through these really major changes at the same time. It's like uh, Virgil has lost himself and he needs guidance. Mm -hmm. Yes, I think you're right. I think that's very apropos. And he, he finds his own Virgil a little bit later in the chapter, I think. Um, very astute of you, Ms. Rivera. Um, so there's, in his inbox, there's a note from Professor Wodehouse of Magdalen College. And he noticed the list of recipients. He, he was going through the same thing, seeing who else is going, who else is attending. Um, and he saw that Julia was on, but no Gabriel. Yeah. <laughs> and what does he think? What does he think in his mind? Go ahead, Pam, say it. Student fucker. (laughs) (laughs) I knew you'd say it. I would say, take that, professor. (laughs) So we asked SR a couple things about this. Um, First of all, we wanted to, I I checked to see if uh, St. Michael's College was a real university. And Mm -hmm. it was. And in fact, if you want to check out where... Our beloved Paul is uh, working. I'm putting the the link in the chat box mm-hmm. if if my if my cursor will, will allow me. Um, Always nice when cursors do that. Yes. Well, <laughs> I, we, are, I, we are in Mer- Mercury retrograde, <laughs> so you never know what will happen. <laughs> and then truer words have been spoken. So we asked SR about why did you select St. Michael's College, which is a real university, and he had said that. Um, Paul's from Essex Junction, and so I like the idea of him being able to return to his family and home. So, and I think that fits, um, Kenzie, with your your um, cow visions for Paul, but I think he is very close to his family, and I think he feels an obligation, you know, he didn't stay on the farm, right? He, he went out and followed his passion, but I think he still has a real, um, Paul being the, you know, the upright, kind person that he is. And very dutiful. Um, I think he felt that kind of that family duty. 
yeah, um, very, to be very near his, near his, yeah, yeah, near the farm. You know, and his dad hasn't been well. If, if from the redemption, <laughs> he he had a heart attack. And, you know, right. so Paul's kind of been taking care of things for, at the farm too. So this helps out a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Pam, um, Annette was waiting for you to say that, so she's she's a happy woman now. Um, and we also asked SR about um, if Paul actually did encounter or identify any landmines at this point of the semester, since he noted that in the the uh, the uh, beginning of the chapter. And Paul said he's certainly concerned about being able to go to Oxford. Um, you know, so he's worried about that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's now the halftime show, the halftime show <laughs> brought to you by I should, I should screw this timing up a little bit so we can get to this <laughs> I wonder if the weekend can dance <laughs> the next time <laughs> yes yes we'll have to we'll have to arrange for the weekend to come and perform at our halftime show sometime Yes. yes. The, the if weekend it's good enough the for the Super Bowl, it's good enough for all things SR. Yes. Yeah, the we, the weekend's jockstrap dancers they all have jockstraps on their faces. <clears throat> <laughs> That's what it looked like. I didn't think it looked like jockstraps, Pam. I thought they were masks. I'll tell you what, though. I thought that was very interesting. I read that he donated $7 million of his own money to have the production... Um, the way he wanted it he had a real specific vision for how how he wanted it executed so Mm -hmm. um it definitely was it was Mm -hmm. it was a phenomenal show um (laughs) and ashley is about to watch downhill with julio next while listening to the podcast well and enjoy that you're gonna have a great time with that nice um so um and yeah well farrell was great but not as good as he was in uh <laughs> not as good as when he in in uh, the Eurovision movie. <laughs> oh my gosh! You knew she had to slide that in there. Just <laughs> uh, for Kenzie. <laughs> Pam's, Pam's a huge fan of Eurovision, um, and she knows Kenzie doesn't like it. So I think that's a little bit having a little fun today with <laughs> with fun with the listeners today. Um, so another question we asked uh, was, why did Paul let his mind go? Please don't need Kenzie. Um, why did Paul let his mind go to calling Gabriel student fucker? And I was curious why SR wrote that in there specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, That's and, a good question. And SR responded, I think Paul knows what Gabriel used to refer to him as, which I thought was interesting, right? So I thought that was kind of a little breaking news on the SR front because I didn't ever think that Paul knew that. I thought that was something that um, Paul didn't. Let's be honest. Gabriel wasn't keeping that a secret. He was saying that out loud a lot of the time. <laughs> but I was trying to remember if he was saying it out loud where where Paul would hear. Well, maybe he didn't say it out loud thinking that Paul was there. But maybe mm-hmm. he said it out loud when um, he saw the note. Uh, the I'm sorry <laughs> from Julia <laughs> and Emerson's and ads. Maybe that's when it started coming out and Paul saw the note and Maybe mm-hmm. you overheard him saying Angel Sun. Paul goes like, huh, okay, I see how it is. 
Well, yeah. didn't, he, didn't he kind of hear him when he said it under his breath once or twice? Well, he must have. Yeah. I, I think you so. know, I kind of want to go back and look if uh, any of you in the chat room have insight <clears throat> into that. Feel free to feel free. Um, My favorite. Uh, and that's saying he said it <laughs> under his breath several times in front of Paul. <clears throat> And Kenzie said, LOL, he probably heard Gabriel whisper it under his breath. So, Well, my favorite nickname that Paul gave Gabriel was Dick Curson. <laughs> <laughs> he only used it once. It's a shame he hasn't repeated it. But yeah, I was like that. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, uh, yeah, I just, I think that was, uh, I think that was interesting. Um, although... I have to say, I was a little surprised that Paul would refer to Gabriel as that because Paul, you know, I do, I do kind of have Paul up in this pedestal of integrity. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think he's human was his feelings. His feelings were so entrenched and entwined in um, his adoration of Julia. Really, really care for her and seeing her hurt and when he Gabriel abandoned Julia, yeah. Um, after everything, I mean, he felt betrayed by her because first she didn't confide in him what was going on, and he mm-hmm. trusted in her and told her stuff about the professor and his past life and what was going on. So he trusted her, and so finding out that she's having an affair with him, um, and then that you know get Soraya as a lawyer who was used by Professor Singer to mm-hmm. defend her while he was being harassed by Professor mm-hmm. Singer. I mean, it was a lot to take in. So yeah. then to pick up the pieces, the broken pieces, and helping Julia put herself back together and focus in her career and, you know, just help her be that strong person she used to be. Or at least, you know, try to help her become more confident and not focus so much in the pain. I can see why he was invested so much in her emotionally and then to see her go back to him mm-hmm. hurt. And I yeah. would have been hurt. So he has a bit of resentment because he doesn't think he deserved her after he made her go through all this hell and just left. And, you know, there was still in the university, had the everyone else looking at her like, mm-hmm. like she was doing something wrong, you know, trying to make her career. And Krista was still there spreading rumors. So I can see why he still has a grudge against Gabriel. And I don't blame him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I think everything it, you've said is, is spot on. I mean, it is it, it's that emotional pull. Um, as Kenzie notes, I understand Paul's feelings, and uh, Annette had Annette has confirmed. She said he said um, he said it at the coffee shop. He said it when Julia had finished her lecture in England when she wanted to go to lunch with Paul, <laughs> and um, so we're pretty sure that's. That, Paul had heard it there. It's and so fresh. The wound is so fresh for him. It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And and Anna's saying Paul lost the ultimate to Gabriel, and being invited to a workshop doesn't hold a candle to the sage lectures. So yes, mm-hmm. although at this point in the book, I don't think Paul um, Paul probably doesn't know about the sage lectures yet. But with mm-hmm. the yeah, he lost the ultimate to Gabriel. I think that's a great way to describe it, Anna. I really yeah, do. Absolutely. Um, and Kenzie said, I remember reading Angel Effer for the first time and thinking, where the hell did that come from? <laughs> 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 it, it, it is quite the 
It is quite the creative expletive. I, I yes, give us our points and props for that. That it is. So, you know, Paul was reflecting on their time and he knew that Julia and Gabriel were married. Um, Walter agrees. Um, yes. <laughs> with that assessment, Anna. Um, Paul knew they were married, but he did not want to think Emerson and the beautiful former Miss Mitchell. Um, he didn't want to think about them together in any way. Mm-hmm. Um, but he knew they were married and had a beautiful daughter. I mean, the facts are the facts, and he knew that. Um, yeah. I think, again, to your point, it's just so raw and so, you know, the pain is still fresh. Mm-hmm. And Julia sent him a birth announcement with Claire's picture with the wisps of black hair sticking out from under her purple cap. But he also wished she had sent a picture of herself also. Um, And he also wondered if she would attend the Dante workshop in April. Um, And he was thinking about emailing her before he made his decision whether or not to attend. So we did ask SR, and this was a question coming from Betty. um, (laughs) uh, Why did Paul want a photo of Julia, of just Julia? And what did he want Julia to be wearing? (laughs) And um, SR's response was, I don't think he wants a photo of Gabriel. That's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) So I think he was probably grateful that it was just the baby and not a whole family photo. (laughs) Because he doesn't want to see Gabriel anymore and think about them together. See, but I I think it's kind of naughty of Paul. Like, he wants a picture just of her. Like, what do you want (laughs) A swimsuit picture, right? Like a pin, a pinup. <laughs> like, yeah, like on the le- on the sand with her bikini posing, blowing a kiss or something. Like really, Paul? <laughs> yeah, I'm realistic. <laughs> yeah, I, I do think it's probably he misses her and he wants to see her. Like he wants yeah. that, and I think we can understand that. I mean, us all of us worldwide being in this pandemic, not being able to actually mm-hmm. see people. Luckily, our technology is more advanced. Where than it was at this point in um, <laughs> in the story. So there were no Zoom, uh, there were no options to do Zoom calls uh, yeah. or FaceTime. Um, and Kenzie's opinion, that is a bit odd. I do agree with that, I think. And I think that's why um, I, I'm glad we asked the question, mm-hmm. you know. Um, <laughs> and she said, don't kill me, Betty. I don't know if Betty would tell you about that opinion. <laughs> And does he need permission was Monica's question. Um, And he's still pining for her, Ellie says. So, and, and we also asked SR another question at this period was, you know, her thoughts about, he was wondering whether or not she would attend the workshop. And we asked him that, you know, no, Paul knew Julia's commitment to her studies and career. Mm -hmm. So why did he wonder if Julia would attend the workshop? And SR says, I think he wonders if she would feel comfortable being parted from her baby. So that's See, again, was... I think that's because of the way he was brought up. Mm-hmm. Family is so important that they're, they come first. And then everything else comes second. Career, uh, you know, like, like, at least from my perspective, family, he's very family oriented and his mm-hmm. family is very, very close. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe he thought she would be the same where she wouldn't want to, you know, participate in anything because she wants to focus solely on her baby at the time. Mm-hmm. 
So maybe that's why he felt like that. Like maybe she wouldn't think everything else. She would prioritize her family, her child. Over um, everything. Over everything, mm -hmm. yes. Mm -hmm. But she was so adamant about not wanting to start the family until she was done with her studies. And and really, academia is is such a part of her persona that right. I, I, I was thinking... You know, Paul knows how important it was to her. Why would he be questioning that? But I think your point's a good one about. And the other thing is, too, your perspective does change after you have a child. Yes, um, a lot. It, it, it uh, you know, it completely, it, it redefines you. Right. Um, so you know, I, I totally could see it. And I'm looking at Ellie had said um, he is still pining for her, and it's interesting to see Paul broken down. You do feel for him. And you totally do. Um, absolutely. Do. So he's kind of, and you know, this is kind of like that blast from the past, you know, and I think again, a little foreboding SR said the best of times, the worst of times, mm -hmm. um, you know, he's thinking that as he's getting his bearings at his new job and, um, his new life as a professor. And, you know, then here's comes this blast from the past, you know, uh, Gabriel, Julia and new baby Claire. And, you know, it kind of dredges up all those feelings. Yeah. And it, it, yeah. I think it also, um, you know, since he still loves her, it kind of makes him wonder what would life had been like if they would have gotten together. Would they right. have a family right now? The what ifs are they? They can uh, consume you. Yeah, you know, so, absolutely, one hundred percent. Yes, Betty. If you know, it is really hard when when you've had a, a major breakup with somebody and and. They've moved along, moved on in their life to to somebody else, and obviously Julie getting married and having Claire. Just to see them that way, it, it, there's a pain inside that you feel it, you know. <laughs> so I, I think that's a big part of it for him too. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, Ashley is multitasking, <laughs> listening to the podcast, bidding at the auction, and watching downhill. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> You're busy this morning, Ashley. I know. She's been really busy because she just moved as well. So, you know, more power to you, Ashley. I, um, I'm glad you were able to just stop in and join us this morning. Oh, that reminds me. Um, in Redemption... When Julia goes to Oxford and um, she does her presentation on St. Francis and um, Guido, remember when there was that scene where Paul and Gabriel have a little talk? Mm -hmm. um, and Julia had expressed to Paul that she wasn't feeling the support from Gabriel. Mm -hmm. And yes. she felt like, you know, she was just trying to give him everything he wanted because she loves him, but. At that time, he wanted to have a family, and that was the last thing she wanted to do because she wanted to focus on her career. I think maybe that's why he also has that. He wonders if Gabriel is actually going to support her and encourage her to continue and attend her right. job, or he's going to go like, "No, Julia, we have to focus on this," and maybe like sidetracked her. So maybe right. that's why. Yeah, I think he's. he's I think that's an opinion on there. I think that's a really good, I think that's a really good point. Um, I really do because Gabriel's so domineering, right? Or had been, he mm -hmm. still is, but I mean, he's really tempered and he's grown and evolved, which is incredible yes. to see. But, you know, Paul still knows him as the domineering professor Emerson 
um, who is going to make sure she does everything he wants her to do is, is how he's perceiving it. So I think that's a great point. Yeah. And Anna, Anna has raised some, raised a good point. She said he failed to factor in, um, Paul failed to factor in that the Emersons have the resources to all come to the workshop. Um, and then he'll be faced with Gabriel strolling baby Claire. Very good point. Mm-hmm. Right. Because they do have the resources. And I think that's part of where my mind was going. Well, Julie wouldn't separate from the baby. The baby would be coming with her. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's also I'm putting a little bit of my own um, my own lens because that's exactly what I would do. I'd find a way to make it work, right? So I would mm-hmm. be, of course, I'd bring the baby with me, and I, you know, right. So, and uh, Ellie's. Uh, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Betty. No, I mean, I was going to say, like, professors don't get paid much, so. Paul is going only with the information he has, which is mm-hmm. Gabriel gets paid what a regular professor gets paid. He doesn't know about the inheritance and how much you know money he gets every year from the investments and stuff. So Paul is naive in that perspective where he thinks that they're just getting by with what he gets paid. Right. Normal. A struggling professor. A struggling professor, right. So <laughs> I think that's why he just... He never thinks like, oh, well, he has a lot of money and that's why, um, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I would think he knows, I, I would think he knows Gabriel might have some just because of the way Gabriel is and what he wears and his little, you know, eccentricities. But I, I think you're right. I don't think he has this. I don't think he has a, a knowledge of this pure, sheer scope of his wealth it, it's not like gabriel goes around town telling everyone i'm filthy rich. right mm-hmm. yeah especially because he, he, he didn't like he didn't like how he got the money right and so he wants so, to spend it as fast as he can but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and ellie yeah. said paul and julia were never together though he was just always hopeful that hope is gone now and he's healing from it and Annette said, Paul hasn't seen Gabriel as a father yet. He hasn't seen how Gabriel's changed and how he's changed his ways when it comes to Julia as a mother. Mm-hmm. And Lori noted, Paul does not know about Gabriel's money, does he? And Anna said, surely Paul saw Gabriel's wealth, but not nearly the amount. Yeah, like he knew a little bit, but he, you know, who would have guessed that Gabriel had that kind of huge um Huge and, resources. Yeah, and, and it also depends upon university teaching as far as salary goes. I mean, I know that St. Michael's probably isn't going to pay as much as, let's say, Boston College or Yale or Harvard mm-hmm. or Stanford. I know a tenured Stanford professor normally gets about $200,000 a year. Yeah. So, you know. It's, it really depends on it, the university. And absolutely. it depends on, and I can tell you the business schools pay much more than someone in the Department of English or the Department mm-hmm. of Romance Languages. I can tell you that. Yeah. What what the industry is um, does affect uh, uh, their salaries as well. Mm-hmm. So so we were kind of um, we we had asked Betty since this is her, um, her favorite <coughs> character of, of the life. entire. Yes. Um, we had asked her to to share with us some of her top reasons why she loves Paul. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was just uh, checking um, Pearly says that she wants to see if she could join right now. Oh. Do you want me to add her in? Yes. I can add her in. Yeah. 
Oh okay. my gosh, that would be great. <laughs> that would be so much fun. All right, let me go. Perfect timing. <laughs> I love it. Just um, let her know, okay? Okay. And what we can do, uh, this is a great surprise having Perling come to the party. Um, because as you know, um, Perling and Betty were the original podcasters for SR's work. Uh, they started the Gabriel's Inferno fan podcast. I can't even remember. What year was that, Betty? Do you even remember? Um, I think it was 2015. Oh, my gosh. It's hard to believe. Hello. And there she is. <laughs> Hi. Hi. Live from Venezuela. As Monica says, yeah, baby. Good morning. <laughs> yeah. Good How are morning. you? Oh, Great good. to hear your voice. We were just about, oh. your, your timing's perfect. We were just about to ask Betty to share her uh, her top reasons why she loves Paul. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, ha I have a feeling that I have to join now. <laughs> That's right. I knew, I knew because you were always the, you were always the one, um, so entrenched and um, who just adored Gabriel. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I just, I thought, I thought the timing was amazingly perfect. So mm -hmm. yeah. I'm glad you could join. Yeah. Everybody's saying yeah. hi from the chat problem. room. Oh, hi guys. Love you. Miss you. You know, I, I have a problem with, with these uh, books. Because you know, I, I love Gabriel, but but I, I, I love Paul too, so I, I'm in a the always <laughs> you're, you're caught up, in yeah, yeah. I, yes, I like it. Oh, I love you, Gabriel, but you know, don't you dare to to talk bad about Paul. <laughs> <laughs> But you know, I, I know that Betty is enough to defend Paul, so I'm not that worried. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, and and there are many many fans. There's a huge amount of fans in Team Paul territory. Yeah. That's yeah. for yeah, sure. We, but but we need more fans. <laughs> 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 right, Betty? Right? Yeah. Oh, no, yes. you, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to share Paul. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love Paul and everything, but it's like, hands off, people. He's mine. <laughs> well, and uh, I think Anna, Anna wrote a good point in the chat. She said, Paul is stuck in his loss and secretly hopes that there will be a breakup so he can swoop in and rescue Julianne. Um, oh. It won't happen, mm -hmm. Paul, Anna says. It just won't happen. And I, I totally agree with that. I don't, know. I don't know if he really is secretly hoping if he screws up. I think it's just heartbroken. And that yeah. takes a while. Because yeah. if, unrequited if, love. If he it knows if he leaves her again, she's going to be heartbroken. And the last thing he ever wants to see is Julia heartbroken. Especially now yeah. with baby. That would be even more... Um, traumatic for her yeah so i don't think he he's thinking like well let's see when gabriel screws up so i can walk in and yes. mm -hmm. as monica said that thought is so sad i totally agree um that would be sr couldn't do that to us he couldn't do it to us 
I don't think please you, don't, I don't write I that. I don't think you would break them up again. No, no but I mean, they're you know, you, you sometimes they have books and there's all these misunderstandings and you know, like like what happened in Rapture, right? You know, Gabriel. But I sent you a message. I sent you the note. Didn't you see my note? You know, there there could be misunderstandings that I would mean, lead honestly, to things like that. I hope he never does that to us. I can't take it. Honestly, <laughs> it was hard no. to figure out what note he was talking about because he kept saying my notes and in fact it was Abelard so it's like uh that's not your note that's Abelard <laughs> and second of all you didn't tell us where to look so yeah shame on um, you yeah Ali uh, said I think actually now they are married they should have a kid and he that Paul knows it's over mm-hmm. Julia and Gabriel are married and he mm-hmm. knows yes. it's done so. Yeah, but you know, I think I think that yes, I agree with when you say that Paul is heartbroken, but um, I think he has moved on. But you know, it's always like, what if if, if things are different, you know? Mm-hmm. And he wanted to be different for him, but it's like a, a nostalgic thing more than than. Um, that he is still in love with Julia. It's like, okay, yo, I want something with her, but he, I couldn't. So, okay, so it's like more nostalgic. I don't know if I if I sound correct about it. That sounds good. You know, one of the things that that fascinates me about Paul with his relationship with Julia is that he he looks at her as this small frail creature and mm-hmm. he wants to protect her mm-hmm. and, I, and I think that's okay. the main portion of his love to Julianne and well when he met her she was at the beginning fragile and shy and she was still trying to come out of her shell because mm-hmm. she was running away from Simon yeah uh, she was also trying to be that that smart girl and build her self-esteem after everything that had happened with uh, Simon and her friend Natalie. Um, she's always she, she's also trying to find a way to get Gabriel to notice her, and he doesn't. He he crushes her heart when he compares her to you know a whore the morning after. So mm-hmm. he's also fragile because of that because now he doesn't think of her as something beautiful to be worshipped and. And you know, admire. So he was, in a way, trying to help her see that she is smart and she has potential, and help her just build her self-esteem in a way, um, so she wouldn't be so fragile. Because she was fragile; she was hiding, and she barely speaks to anyone else. She never had any other friend besides Paul in the university. True, true. So, I mean, I do see why he thought of her like that. But throughout the series, she starts growing and she has becoming more confident. She believes in herself. So his friendship did help her grow and see herself differently because he just does tell her, like, why don't you speak up and defend yourself? Why are you letting Krista mm-hmm. speak little of you? So he's he's like telling her it's okay to speak up. You true, don't have right, to true. take it. But I, but right. I still, I still see that sense of protecting the, the little rabbit, as opposed mm-hmm. to um, loving the woman that, or loving the woman that she's become. Right. You know. So I, for me, that's that's just not what I think. Well, and and looking at the chat, um, 
Kenzia noted, I hope he will find his happiness. And she actually finds Paul's situation very sad. She feels he is a very lonely person mm-hmm. um, and noted that um, Julia was very meek, but not weak. And that, I think, very, very well put, Ken's. Um, mm-hmm. She was. She was very meek. Um, and then uh, Monica noted that Betty with Lacrimosa in the background just went to a new level. <laughs> She's laughing because... dramatic, but it works for me. <laughs> I think it's perfect. I think, you know. (laughs) Now I can hear lacrimosa, lacrimosa, lacrimosa. (laughs) I know. I still think it's a whole song now, (laughs) but it's okay. I love that Um, song. I think also the other thing about Paul is that he's witnessed violence against women. So he's had to step up and defend them. So he's, he noticed that with his sister when she was getting bullied in school and the boys were pulling that bra straps. And so he mm-hmm. went there and did his best to protect his sister and they stopped bullying her. And then the same thing happened in college when he was at a party and a girl was, uh, some guys, I don't know if they raped her, I can't remember right now, but they did something to her. And he went there with her, with a girl, and he asked her, who did this to you? Right. And he he tried the best to defend her and, you know, give a little punch here and there. <laughs> but um, but he, <laughs> he felt like he has to protect women because that's what his parents uh, taught him, that you're supposed to treat women uh, with respect and treat them like princesses. So mm-hmm. I don't think he ever meant to treat her like, oh, well, you're too weak and you can do it. But that's the way he was brought up, that you have to defend women because not a lot of people will do that. And sometimes they're not strong enough. I'm not saying women can't defend themselves because we right. have a Kasia who can kick ass and I love her for that. But sometimes not everyone has the same personality and the same mentality. And sometimes, yeah. you know, you don't know, you might be in shock and you don't know what to do or how to defend yourself because yeah. you are expecting to be attacked. So I think from that perspective, Paul is always uh, looking for a way to defend and protect women in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he didn't know it, but Julia had, had been in a relationship. So she needed someone to be gentle with her and not push her, pressure her into stuff, which he never did. He never pressured her into, uh, you know, being in a relationship with him, even though he cared for her and she didn't. He respected that. Uh, he supported her throughout the whole uh, time when they were in, in the college and even afterwards. Mm-hmm. He's always been like there for her, even though he cares for her and he wished they were a serious relationship between them. But he knows that she's not ready for that or she doesn't feel that way. So he's okay with stepping down and just letting her be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Elliot mentioned also that Paul, that, um, she says Paul knows how doesn't she doesn't think Paul knows how much both Gabriel and Julia have evolved because they've kept the, everything between them, and yet Paul was always in the friend zone, even though he did lead her on a little bit. She did lead him on a bit at, at the yeah. beginning, so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Especially true. after kiss, <laughs> I was like, why, Julia? Why? <laughs> I think it's that curiosity, right? <laughs> 
that that the you, you know, that kiss in the in the coffee shop. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which we saw. Which we saw. Yeah. yeah. I mean, to me, it was just like a quick peck. It wasn't even a kiss. Right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, when I read it, it was a slower kiss in my head. Well, in the book, yeah, well, in the book, it's a little bit different. But I mean, the way the way Julia and Melanie or uh, James and, and Melanie portrayed it, it was sort of a. Um, that was a long time. I felt like Kelly um, tossed that like. Well, you know, they should linger a little longer. <laughs> you were going to give notes to Tosca. I love it. Yes. <laughs> Just a little, and maybe he should hold her hand a little bit more and softly, and you know, just a little bit more. Well, and and uh, you know, Lori noted, I think Paul is just a deep feeling person, he's not home crying, he's a thinker. Um, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, and it does, I mean, he really does. He, he feels so much and he wants to try and evolve and be there for her. Um, and I, you know, and he just, he feel, you know, the heart wants what it wants. Right. Um, yes. and mm-hmm. you know, as Kenzie also noted, um, you know, talking as we were talking about Julia, she said, I completely resonate with Julia in the beginning of the book. So I understand her and it's weird being the same age as her currently, 23, and mm-hmm. feeling that way. I think Paul helped Julia feel less alone. And I absolutely, he was her Virgil. He helped guide mm-hmm. her. He helped be a, 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 a companion to her mm-hmm. as she was mm-hmm. navigating her her university. <laughs> uh, yeah, Sally, seeing Betty on set. Wait, I'll show you. Do it like this. Yes. If I were Julia, I wouldn't have sat on the couch. I would have been on his lap, like, yes, Paul, tell me. What about the Paul? <laughs> yeah. Except Leslie got to sit next to him. Yeah, Leslie. Be- <laughs> I did. I did. Oh my gosh. I'll never live that down because I kept thinking in my head, Betty's going to kill me. Betty's going to kill me. Betty's going to kill me. Um, uh, they, they were great. James and Melanie were just yeah. top notch. They all were. Uh, yeah. I, I can't say enough good things about it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Monica said no more signs of evolving. <laughs> um, and yes, Kenzie says, I won't forget Betty keeps saying to tell Tosca that sweater was supposed to fall off her shoulder and not be a turtleneck, LOL. Yeah. Julia did hate turtlenecks. I yeah. <laughs> I still love that thing. He gently pulls the, the sweater to cover the strap. I think it was very telling of his character. Yes. Of how protective he is, how he mm-hmm. knows that she um demure, she doesn't like to show off and be provocative, that it was an accident where it slipped and he understands that and he wants to cover it yeah. so she feel like Oh, look, he's looking at me and fantasizing and God knows what else going on. He was really trying to keep her safe and warm. And I thought it was so, it was gentle. It was sweet. And I thought it was sexy. So I was like, oh, take me now. <laughs> but again, Julie and I have different views. Okay. So do you still want me to share the five reasons? Sure. 
<laughs> it's an extended version podcast today, folks. <laughs> okay, so um, reason number five, it's um, he's old-fashioned. And in chapter eight of Givers Inferno, we're told that Paul was old-fashioned. He believed in courting a woman. He believed in taking his time. And so he was perfectly content only to build a friendship with a beautiful and shy rabbit until he knew her well enough to express his feelings and until he was confident of her regard for him. He was determined to spend time with her and treat her properly and pay her a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. Very That's true. Very, very, uh, very telling true. of him. And I think this is why Gabriel was always sees Paul as, a, as the potential, <laughs> like a threat. Because mm-hmm. Paul is a gentleman, and Gabriel wants to be that for Julia. Right. So he has to step up. Well, and I think Paul or Gabriel realizes he definitely was not that way to her in the beginning, and he never felt worthy. Gabriel never, ever felt worthy of her. And what he sees in Paul is everything he was not. Aspires to be. Uh, he's aspiring to be, but he definitely was not that way. Plus, even the physicality of Paul, you know, he's a tall, big, broad guy, you know, mm-hmm. so I think you have that that physical um, element, too, of being the ri- physical rival. Um, yeah. What a kind soul. <laughs> if this were like a cage fight, I think Paul would win, but it's okay. We don't want to hurt Paul. <laughs> I used to put money on Gabriel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, Paul plays rugby, so I'm sure he can throw him down and stuff. So, okay. I'd love to see Anything's it. Anything's possible. <laughs> um, especially there's oil involved. It's like, okay, yeah. <laughs> Not jello or chocolate pudding? Uh, you know, maybe it'll be easier to clean. <laughs> oh, my gosh, you guys. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Number four that I love Paul is because Paul is a romantic. And again, in chapter 11 of Gabriel's Inferno, Paul tells Julia, you have such small, small hands, smaller than the reins. And then he tells her, I'm paraphrasing from somewhere I have never traveled by E.E. Cummings. Uh, And then in the same chapter, his thumb found the center of her lifeline and pressed it ever so gently. And this part, I thought it was sexy. (laughs) Yes. The poem reminds me of you. You are where I've never traveled. Your fragility and your small, small hands. I do have small hands. <laughs> and Paul, you have such big hands. So there you go. It is, um, it is, well, you know, it's a very, SR can write so sensually, right? And right. that was a very, uh, very, of course, respectful, um, but sensual um nearly erotic in one way, right? That touching of the hand and that, mm-hmm. that holding of the hand and that contact. Um, yeah, he's just, SR so masterful at that. And well that done, first contact sir. that sends the shivers through your spine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I also think going back to that kiss, that trial kiss, right? I think Julia just had to know, is there <laughs> any kind of that, chemi- that chemistry, that spark? Mm-hmm. And obviously she found out that was not the case with the... Uh, from her feelings toward Paul. So so tell us more, Betty. Tell us more. <laughs> Reason number three is Paul has a big heart. Uh, in chapter six of Gibbons Inferno, it says that Paul was 
Paul's heart was almost as big as he was, and so he was very sensitive to the pain of others. And in chapter 8, again, of Gabriel's Inferno, um, Paul is thinking to himself when he's looking at Julia, um, and they're at the library. He's guiding her towards the Dante area. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, It says, in looking at Rabbit, he had the feeling that she was waiting desperately to become real, waiting to be loved even. And the waiting had taken its toll on her. Not on the outward appearance, which was very attractive. Although Paul would have said she clearly was too thin and too pale. Something a good deal of Vermont milk and dairy products could have been too. (laughs) Which she was starving. So he did know. That's true. That's true. And it wasn't by choice. Um, She was struggling to, to keep herself with food and stuff so the fact that he notices that and it's like it's okay like i can help her um i thought it was dear and also that he also thinks that not that but her on her soul which he thought was beautiful but sad paul wasn't even sure he believed in souls until he met rabbit and now that he knew her he had to believe he hoped privately that someday she would become what she wanted to be that someone will love her and she would transform from a frightened rabbit into something else, something bolder, something happy. I love that. And wow, mm-hmm. how, how much of a foreshadowing is that? I mean, that completely forecasts the arc of her story. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an incredible. I, I, oh, he's so good. Um, I, I, I'm reading some of the comments and Lori says, see, Paul is deep feeling. I'm almost team Paul. I'm team Gabriel, but I get Paul. I love that because actually um, when I read Lori's comment, um, I was thinking of you, Perling, because it reminds me of you. <laughs> You're team Gabriel, yeah. but you do get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love I'm it. team Gabriel. Paul, Paul is Paul. I, 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 I always said, and I, I, I would always say that I want a Paul in my life. I'm sorry, Betty. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know you would understand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. I know, and and Annette says these books need to be taught in etiquette classes for boys. Yeah, I, had to, I yes. told my son he had to read these books. Yes, <laughs> to understand. And and Kenzie I noted, I think that is the most romantic thing I've heard about small hands. Re- referencing that passage, she's like, "Take me, oh. I have small hands." <laughs> yes, yeah. it is. It's so beautifully, uh, just so beautifully written. I'm with you there, Kenzie. Just mm-hmm. gorgeous. And Monica Uh, is Team Williams. (laughs) (laughs) So whatever. Oh, well, you know, William is a nothing. (laughs) I know. He's a whole other level. Yeah. He is. Yes, he is. Another world. Okay, so I have the last two reasons. I don't know if you still want me to <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. I'm in my yeah, okay. definitely. Okay. Okay, reason number two is Paul defends women. 
as I said before, in chapter 11, I gave his rapture. Um, Paul is thinking to himself about his um, childhood, and it says, He had well-defined views about how a man should treat a woman, views that had been shaped largely by his parents. His mother and father weren't overly demonstrative in their affection, nor were they sentimental, but they always treated one another with respect. Paul's mother had encouraged him to treat girls like ladies, and his father had demanded the same, saying that if he ever heard of Paul treating a girl badly, he had to answer for his behavior. And again, um, in that same chapter, Paul is thinking back about the keg party at his freshman year at St. Mm -hmm. Michael's, <clears throat> where mm -hmm. he's teaching now. Um, and he says how he ran into a girl in a torn shirt on his way to the bathroom. He calmed her down and demanded that she point out who attacked her. Paul cornered the, her assailants and held him until the campus police showed up, but not before roughing him up a little. When, a young girl, when his younger sister, Heather, was being tormented by boys in junior high school, boys who made lewd comments and snapped her bra strap against her back, he waited for the little fuckers after school and threatened them. Heather continued her education bully-free after that. Where was Paul when Mike went through that? <laughs> <laughs> I know. He is. He is. Mm -hmm. Almost avenging, you mm -hmm. know. Yes. And, but but to defend the honor. Yes. Um, just so You wonderful. know, that's why I wish that he has um, a happy ending. No, mm -hmm. he deserves it. He does. He, he does. really does. I feel like he's going to get one. Yes, I do too. Well, I have a feeling <laughs> that we have some interesting calls that we're meeting. Some are very so. interesting. Soon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. And you want to know my first reason? Number one. One reason why I love Paul. <laughs> <laughs> all right no, reason number one is because throughout the whole series paul has been supportive of julia he defends her from professor emerson listens to her when she needs to talk and vent he gives her his shoulder to cry on he offers her help when she has problems finding the dante section in the library or translating passages and when he thinks julia's boyfriend attacked her uh he offers help to he help he offers her help to get away from the attacker, the boyfriend, because mm -hmm. before she told him that her ex boyfriend Owen was violent for her, so right away he's trying to help her get away so she's safe and doesn't go through a another abuse from her abusive boyfriend. Relationship. Yes, an abusive relationship, and even when he knows that um, she doesn't love him back, he's still he's there to support her and be the friend without demanding that she gives back that love. Mm -hmm. or, and he doesn't make her feel bad for decisions that she's made and now how they're backfiring. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I like that. Especially in Rapture, um, <clears throat> when... The, well, there's, there's a scene in Rapture when Julia is in her apartment. He comes over to visit her. And he has uh, the book and a junk mail. Uh, Paul tells, Julia tells Paul, if you came to tell me how stupid I am, I don't think I can handle that right now. She tried to sound defiant. 
And he says, I was upset when I found out that you've been lying to me. Paul shuffled her, her mail from one arm to the other and scratched at his sideburns. But I'm not here to make you feel badly. He expressed, his expression softened. I don't think I like seeing you hurting. He just is, he is so caring. It's just, uh, and it's, uncon I, you know, I think with Paul too, it's an unconditional love for her. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. He's, he's not asking for yes. anything in return. I mean, Absolutely. he wants, he wants the return, right? He wants that to be reciprocated in the same way. Um, but he, I think will love her for the rest of his life. It's true. It's true. You will. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, I just hope it doesn't, for future Paul, doesn't come into the being where that will affect every relationship he has after that. that mm -hmm. You know, that person's mm -hmm. always going to be compared to Julia. Yeah. That's, a, that's an issue too. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe it'll be depending if he reads the right person. True. It will almost be like a recognition. Yes, that I had very... this feeling for her. And I love Julia as a friend, but this is different. Like I, mm -hmm. I could see I could see him I, I could see him if it's the right person, you know, really getting um kind of under that spell of the new person. Mm -hmm. But always recognizing there will always Julia will always be a part of his life and a part mm -hmm. of his heart, I think. Yeah. Um as yeah. Kenzie said, um, and Lori said, he will have his happily ever after. And Kenzie noted, he will. I just remember being very, very sad for Paul and Rapture. And even in promise, unrequited love is difficult. Mm -hmm. And that is incredibly true. It is true. Cannot, cannot <clears throat> dispute that. Uh, those are all, Betty, you never disappoint. Those were Thank great. Thank you. <laughs> Really, really great. And I know we're kind of in the midst of the chapter, and I know we're going long here today, folks, but I, I hope you find the content and discussion, the discussion um, compelling because it is such a good deep dive into, into Paul and kind of where Paul is now in the course of the, uh, yeah, their, their universe. Yeah, and all this is going through is on his, in his head, too. <laughs> yes, it is. No, and, and, sitting there while he's reading the email that Woodhouse has sent him. And mm -hmm. So then, you know, like all of a sudden you hear somebody say, hi, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> so, he, so he's got this, he hears this female voice and he turns around and there is Elizabeth. <laughs> Either the best thing that ever happens or the worst thing that ever happens. <laughs> the best of like, well, Hello. Hello there. Mm -hmm. So Elizabeth <laughs> is actually a new faculty member at St. Michael's. Um, she's a member of the Religious Studies Program. And she's gorgeous. And hell she yeah. Has, hell yeah. <laughs> and she has a bob of curly dark hair. And dark eyes and unblemished brown skin. She's Cuban American, originally from Brooklyn. Yes. <laughs> wrong, yeah. Wrong, wrong borough. Um, <laughs> and he also knew that she loved to play Latin music loudly. 
Betty, you don't like to do that, do you? And uh, then... <laughs> Good question. She, you know, I did ask the, que- um, the boss a little question about that. Uh-huh. Because it's been bugging me for, for months now. How does he know? How does he know that Elizabeth likes to listen to music loudly? So, I came up with my own theory. <laughs> How? How did he find out? So my theory is that remember back in Redemption <laughs> in chapter, I think chapter 84. I can't remember the, name, the number. Oh, chapter 81. Oh my God, I'm so good at my notes. Okay, so in chapter 81 of Gabriel's <laughs> Redemption, Paul is uh, getting stuff ready in his office and then <laughs> Allison comes in and he's so happy to see her <laughs> and they end up kissing and that's when they officially start dating again uh-huh. well mm-hmm. the chapter ends with them kissing and him closing the door right so mm-hmm. my theory is that when he closed the door elizabeth's walking <laughs> to her office opens the door puts her music and ta-da <laughs> that's and it's on i love that that's great that's a great segue I asked yeah. if it was possible because at that time Elizabeth just used a closed door and she just walked into her office, so she doesn't know there's people there. And he says that it's possible. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, that is a good question. <laughs> he also did, that's a good question. He also said that Elizabeth is a happy person and she enjoys Cuban music. I think mm-hmm. she doesn't realize how loud it is and that everyone in the hall can hear it. <laughs> hey, listen, I had a boss that, you know, I'd walk, you'd walk in on the, in the morning to, for work and go, I'd be walking to my office. And if I heard music coming down the hall, it wasn't rent music. Well, maybe it was because it was Santana. Yeah. But if you heard Santana <laughs> coming loud down the hall you knew what kind of a mood or what was going on with him at that time (laughs) is that a good thing or a not good um his was more of a chemical reaction to uh whatever he was (laughs) doing that day yes so i don't know whether it was xanax or or what but yeah there was always you know santana Mm -hmm. so you always knew otherwise it was (laughs) quiet <laughs> well, definitely different than uh, the Elizabeth scenario. Absolutely in the book. <laughs> different because you know, Beth, uh, Elizabeth was, uh, you know, she walks in, she gives him a wide smile, and she's adjusting her glasses and asked him if he would like to go for coffee. And uh, I'm sure she would have liked tea, but he did it. You know, yeah, yeah, I was. I was thinking about that. I said, okay, coffee? Mm, <laughs> no. <laughs> Maybe a special water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, or, or tea. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, so. uh, but I, you know, uh, I think a lot of people don't equate tea and coffee quite the same way. So, <laughs> or special yeah. water for that matter. <laughs> so. So he's, he's like, he rubs his chin. He's kind of conflicted. And she looked at him and asked if it was, if he was okay. Because he's looked like he's seen a ghost. Well, basically he has. He's seen the ghost of girlfriend's past. Um, 
So we uh, asked uh, SR, mm-hmm. when did Paul first meet Elizabeth? I had in mind that it would have started in, at the college at the same time and have offices near one another, he replied. Mm-hmm. And did Paul mind Elizabeth's loud Cuban music, speaking of <laughs> He said, no, he loves it. And what brand of glasses did Elizabeth wear? So the, so SR said, we need to ask Betty for suggestions. <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Uh, yes, SR, SR so, said, uh, Betty well, would know. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, at the time, <laughs> I was wearing Gucci, but now I'm wearing Tom Ford. So there you oh, go. Okay. I think so we'll go he, with Gucci then, uh, uh, the, the Gucci glasses. Yeah, I just, I love the fact that I was like, well, ask, uh, you need to ask Betty for a suggestion. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you, boss. <laughs> so we asked him, is Elizabeth inspired by, modeled after, or an homage to our very own Betty Rivera of the Gabriel's Inferno podcast. And in typical SR fashion, he says, that's a very good question with a winky smile. (laughs) (laughs) Although Pam and I both know from emails that the answer really is. Yes. Yes. Well, yeah. You still are making me laugh because you kept going like Elizabeth Rivera, and I'm like, she doesn't have a last name. (laughs) (laughs) We were so convinced that the last name was in the book. I'm like, I'm sure I read it. I'm sure. So I searched the book, and I'm like, no. And then I start laughing because, like, Betty would kind of know if her last name was in the book because it's, you know. (laughs) And then I was like, we are just ridiculous. We, yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. I'm like Betty would know. <laughs> I kept telling both of you, I don't think she has a last name. No, 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 she does. It's in the book. I'm like, I'm like, I know oh, she does. I know. I remember. Like, oh my gosh. I read it. So I listened to it. I I have memorized the whole thing. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> Lori says, "Ah," and Annette says, "That's so awesome, Betty." How did you mm-hmm. feel when you read that? Well, I have to say something. It was funny because Pam sends me a message and she's like, oh, my God, go to chapter 15, go to this page. And I was like, okay. We had just arrived from Syracuse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm being, I'm like, okay, I'm going to read the first chapter and blah, blah, blah. And then she sends me a text like, did you read the page? Check the page. And I was like, okay. And I'm looking. And then I see the name and I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> what is this? So it was an honor, it really is, and I'm still humbled by it. I never expected it to happen. Um, my thought, mm-hmm. because Vasa told me that there was a surprise regarding Paul. Mm-hmm. So my theory was, oh my God, Paul's going to marry Allison. They're going to have a baby and they're going to name her Elizabeth. This is my worst nightmare. How could you possibly? <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny that you thought that. I cannot even believe it that's what i thought was gonna happen so when i read the chapter i i was like i couldn't believe it and then later on he did send me a message like have you met elizabeth so i was reading the book the, mm-hmm. the and i was with my nephew because this was the actual book i had purchased it and everything so i was like there is no way that her name's gonna stay there so i'm reading the book and then lesson is number four I think he has like a spidey sense because as soon as I started reading, Paul Virginos, hey, 
And I'm like, oh my God, little dude, calm down. So he wouldn't let me read. I just got to the part where he's thinking about the email. And then someone says, hi, Paul. And I'm like, oh, great, what is this? And then he's just, he wanted to be like, change the diaper and everything. So I didn't get to read that. I was like, oh, I have to wait. So I'm, I'm telling the boss, like, oh, the chapter's really good. I, you know, Paul is still an assistant. I'm so proud of him. Mm-hmm. So when I get, he, he sends me a message, he's like, yeah, yeah. Did you meet Elizabeth yet? <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> still there. So I'm telling him, like, I didn't get to that part yet. <laughs> he just didn't want me to read anymore. So I had to take care of it and stuff. So when I finally got to it, I, I got emotional again. And, super excited yeah. um because i didn't expect it <laughs> i really didn't expect it to see my name there and um so yeah i'm happy and honored and you know just really grateful so thank you boss it was good it was so good i was so excited to see it too i and i loved even the, the description uh, uh, i i just it, it was yeah oh, it was so great I was so excited. And I was um, wondering, how does he know? <laughs> <laughs> so, so now Paul is like looking up the ceiling and he knew he wanted to see Julia because he's still thinking about Oxford. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and that was a problem because he finally moved on from her and he reconnected with Allison, mm-hmm. who was, a, who was an, an ex-girlfriend and now this. So Elizabeth suggested that maybe she could bring him coffee, which was very nice, <laughs> and uh, asked how he took it. He says, black like death. <laughs> There's no other way of drinking coffee. You got he's, coffee. he's not melodramatic at all. <laughs> <laughs> he bit. had the lacrimosa was on his brain there. Yes. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So. He stands, Paul stands six foot three, and he towered over a five foot three Betty. (laughs) (laughs) Elizabeth. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Elizabeth. Yes. No last name. (laughs) No. It's okay. Uh, So we asked, we asked the bosses, so what exactly is the story with Paul and Allison? And he said, they're casually dating, or is it more? And he says, they're dating, but dot, dot, dot. Yes, yes. So he he leaves that door wide open because uh-huh. we're like, are they casual? Are they more involved now? They're dating, but dot, dot, dot. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I, the door is open, Elizabeth. I have um, <laughs> feelings about Allison because when she walks yeah. back into Paul's life, She's heartbroken and she just like broke up with her boyfriend Dave and she's reminiscing about the good old days when they were together and um, mm-hmm. so I think she's just trying to look for comfort. I think more. it's a re- I think it's a rebound relationship on both sides. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he was more hesitant about mm-hmm. starting a relationship. True, because I think he, I think he sees that as well. So right, like he wanted to wait, and she was like, "But can we just get together?" And he's like, "No, I've changed." And she's like, "You don't look different." It's like, uh, <clears throat> people mm-hmm. experience different things. He was sexually harassed by. 
was uh, having, you know, to focus on his dissertation. He has unrequited love. Mm-hmm. He's still struggling mm-hmm. with his dad, what's going on with him, his health, that's a problem. So he has a lot going on. And mm-hmm. I just felt like, really? You just want to like, let's get back together. <laughs> 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 she seemed lost too. Like, she didn't really mm-hmm. know what she wanted or how, who she was. Well, you know, well, we'll see where this goes now. Mm-hmm. The dot, dot, dot. <laughs> so, yeah. Any, um, yeah, so book five, SR, please. Book five, we're yes, ready. Book five. Yes. So he closes his wild. laptop. He closes his laptop and sit and tells her that coffee was on him because he had just gotten invited to a, a workshop in Oxford. And Elizabeth congratulated him, and, and that felt good. And it had been a long time since someone had applauded for him. So Allison may not Aww. be doing it. Mm-hmm. So. See, again, this is um, what bothered me about Allison. I, I wonder why, after they're together, what really is going on between them, the two mm-hmm. of them. Because the long yeah, distance yeah, yeah. So. was a major reason why they broke off. Mm-hmm. She didn't want to have that. They were fighting a lot. And now he's still in Vermont, but I guess they're having problems adjusting now to the new schedule, work, and stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, and yeah. She, may, she may not fully appreciate the demands of a career in academia. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and, and maybe, and I mean, Perling, you, you can attest. I mean, that's one of the realms you live in, right? I mean, it's... Uh, the demands are different and, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. I, I just mm-hmm. think for for that comment to be there, it's been a long time since someone had applauded him. I don't know if yeah. it's just that Allison and Paul were kind of in this comfortable going back to kind of how things were, but not make, you know, just more out of out of uh, routine instead mm-hmm. of out of out of passion. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, it's only been like a month. Yeah. They they got together in August when he was uh, organizing his office, and now Mm -hmm. it's September, so he hasn't really been that long of a time. Right. Right. If they're already having problems, it just makes you wonder what's going on because right where the problems go. Yes. And and there are some good comments in the chat room regarding this. Um, And Kenzie, you actually were thinking you, you you. use the words I was trying to grasp for the comfort zone. I think it's more of staying in a comfort zone than being in a relationship. And Ellie noted, I'm convinced the rebound, um, it was comfortable, but both realized that it wasn't quite right. Uh, or it isn't quite right. And then Anna noted, Allison wants the same Vermont farm boy, a small town rural. And uh, yeah, I think all three really good points. And he's not um, like that anymore. So. But it's so, also, I mean, they are still dating. So it's, you know, they're kind of feeling their way around each other as well. You know, again, mm-hmm. it's this period of, th- yeah, this yeah, real big period of change for all of these characters. And, um, you know, and it's, it's, I'm sure at some point in time, my, just my gut feeling is that they'll get, oh, yeah, we were, that was fine. But now we're not, it, let's yeah. just remain friends. It's a, it's a better spot for us. Mm-hmm. So... Um, as he, he did notice that, you know, his, the attention she, that Elizabeth was giving him and 
So self-consciously, he's pulling at something in the front of his shirt, and he tells her that the, uh, the workshop is in April, in the middle of the semester. And he didn't think the powers that be at the university would, would let him go. But Elizabeth was positive that he would go. And so they decided that they would work, they would work a campaign and plan together how they were going to get it to the university. Although the university probably would have liked it anyway. Mm-hmm. So, uh, he found himself returning her enthusiasm, her smile, and followed her down the hall. So we uh, also asked SR, why was Paul so sure he wouldn't be allowed to go to Oxford? And SR said, he's uh, con- Paul uh, felt that he was concerned about the time off and also the expense, but he wants to go badly. No. So, mm. Look at my man. <laughs> yes, look at your man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Adana noted, you know, uh, he's testing the waters and Paul's enjoying being pursued by Elizabeth for himself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it's, you know, yeah. for so long, Paul was the pursuer, right? I mean, he was pursuing Julia and, and waiting patiently for her. And I think having yeah. that attention and having that um, that kindness mm-hmm. um, and then this enthusiasm, this willingness for Elizabeth to help him plan- strategize to, to make sure he gets to Oxford, which is something he desperately wants to do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's nice to have that attention and have that um, that. Uh, energy and that positivity around him and you know I think that's great and I'm excited to see how how these relationships evolve if if Paul continues to date Allison if he Mm -hmm. if they decide no it's not the right thing or if they kind of turn a corner and go in a different direction or if or if this thing develops a little more with Elizabeth so I'm can't wait to see boss um i was wondering what is paul's fashion sense now that he's an assistant professor is he more casual or is he as formal as gabriel what's what's i i envision paul in a pair of corduroy slacks with a jacket with elbow patches Uh (laughs) (laughs) i still think he's gonna be rocking his like uh rugby shirts well, I did ask the boss, so he said that <laughs> I think in general, Paul is more casual, but for his teaching, he likely wear a nice shirt with a collar, but no tie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there I love it. I love no it. No tie either. <laughs> and, you know, he could be wearing an Argyle vest or a, uh, you know, a sweater in the colder weather because it's Vermont and those classrooms do get rather chilly in Vermont. I would think Paul would avoid Argyle at all expense. <laughs> <laughs> but but Argyle is the fabric of seduction. <laughs> That's what SR says. Maybe it's tidy. <laughs> and Anna said, "Yeah, Paul is casual, totally." Mm-hmm. But I could see, I could totally see him in the the button down shirt and uh, rocking that in the classroom with his broad frame. Mm-hmm. Well, not not, and, n- not to be political or watch any special shows or anything like that, but he could be a Steve Kornacki of St. Michael's University. 
I Steve Kornacki, for those who don't know, is a, is a, I know CMS is the Steve Kornacki. <laughs> That's as a, funny. He, he does strategy for MSNBC <laughs> on the elections and stuff like that, mm-hmm. reads the post. But he, 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 what, he became something at the last election with his commentary, and, and uh, Gap uh, donated, like, 50,000 pairs of the yeah the khakis khakis that he wore during the show so yes I I, that the khakis I I can see Uh, I could totally see that actually Mm -hmm. it's so funny Um, uh, Lori says I see him purposely being the opposite of Gabriel in dress Mm -hmm. and um, Monica said a leather belt with cows (laughs) Kenzie said, didn't Gabriel say our guy was the fabric of seduction, LOL? Yes. And um, I love Anna saying, hands off the Argyle, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my oh, my gosh. This. <laughs> I, I, I'm so looking forward to seeing what happens with these characters. Like, I really, really... Um, I just, I want to, I want to know. I want to know what, what's in store for them. <laughs> that says, y'all are killing me. <laughs> um, but this, yeah, me too. I can't, I mean, this really makes me want to be like, okay, I, I want to start saying, okay, SR, when are you thinking of writing the fifth book? Because um, we know he's doing other projects right now. Yes. And, um, so. And he has not given a name to the Canadian or the Spaniard yet. So I even though Pam tries I to did get try. that out of her. <laughs> <laughs> yes, as Kenzie says, whenever a fifth book comes out, hey, we're lucky we've had four. So yeah, exactly. I mean, honestly, we have to just be thankful for the four that we have. But mm-hmm. um, oh man, I, well, just, I love these characters. There are a lot of questions left unanswered. So that's why yeah. that's why in my heart I do believe he's going to do a book five. In my heart, I believe that. Because he does he does leave a lot of room. Um, there are unanswered questions and mm-hmm. there are you know, it it's gonna be a really good adventure to see where he takes these characters. And as yes, as Lori says, we are blessed. And Ellie said, We were lucky when we had three actually. True that. <laughs> Because uh, initially, his SR's initial vision yeah. was to have two books, mm-hmm. if I recall. Ellie, correct me mm-hmm. um, if I'm wrong. But he was only going to do two, and then he made he he wrote the third because of the fan reaction, mm-hmm. um, which was kind of my worst nightmare. My heart, like, don't yeah. jump. Well, yeah. SR, SR, SR yeah. calm that. <laughs> He he calmed that um, that fear for you now, Betty. Because now yes. now there's hope. There is hope with Paul yeah. and Elizabeth. So uh, yes, and that says I see a winky face if that question is asked. Absolutely. And Kenzie said, SR had said he isn't far enough into anything to share, but I'm excited for that project. Whatever SR is, whenever SR is ready to share, me too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And oh, Anna said she's finally relented to trying Audible. Finished Inferno, a new experience. It really is listening. Oh my God, it's so good. And I good. love, I love yeah. the narrator for uh, that. Morgan. 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 Yes. Uh, Morgan. I miss him in Promise. I mean, I Robinson Dean did a good job, but oh my God. 
the way Morgan would read Paul, the soft voice. He, he really could transform into the different characters. He was um, so great. You could tell the difference between yeah. Gabriel, William, mm-hmm. Paul, Julia, Raven. Everyone was different, especially Ava. Um, mm-hmm. So listening to Promise, it's like it's bittersweet. It is. It is. Yeah. It really. Well, actually, I can't even say that because I have yet to listen to Promise. Oh my God! I have not listened to Promise yet. It's I know. <laughs> well, part of it was at first I couldn't bring myself to not listen to Morgan reading the books, and then I was like, I got off on uh, another tangent, um, and and I haven't had a lot of chance to be listening to to books, mm-hmm. but um, I definitely I definitely want to. Obviously, I haven't even listened to Florentine series. So, oh, and that's I love a good one too. Quarantine is so good, especially you know when Morgan does uh, <laughs> William and Patrick. The way he reads Patrick reminds me a lot of Paul. So I'm mm-hmm, like, this is mm-hmm. an extension of Paul. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Miss <Morgan laughs> <and laughs> Leslie so Kenzie is judging. Yes, and I just said judgment-free zone. LOL. <laughs> uh, I know. I know, <laughs> you, you can but the audiobooks, as Kenzie noted, the audiobooks are an experience. Um, they truly, truly are. I'm trying to get back the comment, and I can't because of my because Mercury's in retrograde. That's right. Um, so we just leave that we, at that because that's <laughs> bad enough. Yeah, yeah, they were. Um, and and Ellie did note. I, I wanted that's. I wanted to point out. She said the original was one. The original draft was one book, mm-hmm. and they broke it into two because it was it was so lengthy, obviously, and um, so good. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. I love, I love his writing. We're so lucky we have it. We are. We're very mm-hmm. lucky, and he's lucky he was able to find his voice again to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Anyway. Absolutely. So, friends, and next I'm so week, excited. We we had such a good time today, and next week is going to be another great adventure. Tell us, Pam. Mm-hmm. Well, next week we <laughs> are having Lauren Olson from Passion Flicks join us in the podcast. And Ellie, you'll be happy to know it'll be at nine o'clock your time, as opposed to six a.m. your time, because uh, we're we're going to be doing the program at noon on the in New York time. For uh, that particular, this particular podcast, so we're looking forward to see what Lauren has to say. Um, any passion flicks news, what she's reading, um, anything like that. So it'll be a lot of fun. We're looking yeah. forward to it. We are looking forward to it. And yes, thank you, Annette. She said, um, "Thank you, SR, raising a glass to you." Mm-hmm. And yes, I think we all can raise a glass um, to SR and. Yeah, Just, uh, so thankful for him and thankful for everyone in the community. Um, it's it's just been a, a joy to be able to read and share share the work with you guys. Um, and it's it's very exciting to see what's ahead for us. Um, oh, Anna says thanks for the extra hour today, ladies. Thank you for staying on. Um, this, I didn't realize it would be such an extravaganza, but I, I know we were. We were excited, especially at the beginning, to make sure we talk about the auction and some of the great activity going on over there. Oh, yeah, you can bid until midnight. You can bid till midnight tomorrow Eastern time. Tomorrow um, there's a chat, too, with the boss. 
Yes, there yes, is I, with this, uh, on Facebook with the Latin, Latin American group. Uh, sorry, mm -hmm. Latin American group. L-A-T-A-M, I think it is. Mm -hmm. So that'll be good. That'll yes. Be a lot of fun. Yes, so, SR's been making the rounds. So. Yes, he has been. He's been, he's been a busy beaver. Or, or raccoon, Fox, as the case may be. Or <laughs> raccoon from Toronto, which they, they just so love. Anyway. <laughs> What, what music do you have? We uh, are take uh, sending you out with Luna Lena uh, by Jesse Cook. Has great right. Spanish style guitar. So enjoy. It's not like needing to sound a little Cuban. We'll catch you all next week. Have a good week, everybody. Bye. 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 So good to have you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.